Welcome to the Take 6 Podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Take 6 Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, and we're here to talk all things Toronto Raptors. I'm your host, Hunter Serblis, and as always, on the line, we've got a good friend, Callum Wise. How's it going, buddy? Good, man. How are you doing? Fantastic. And... As I said, our very special guest, Lior Kozai. How's it going, big guy? I'm good, man. How about you? I'm fantastic. Thank you once again for joining our podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can find Lior at Death Pen Basketball. He writes there, and uh, his Twitter handle is just his name. I'll have it in the bio of this show. So, guys, a bit of a fun week for the Raptors and the NBA in general. We got to see LeBron past Michael Jordan for scoring, which is a pretty cool fate. Uh, You kind of knew it was going to happen. Everybody was expecting it. He tweeted before the game, wow, this is going to be a great moment. And it kind of was underwhelming. But as we know, the Raptors have had a very troubling past with LeBron um, in terms of him owning us in the playoffs, the regular season, and just about everything else. So I think it's fitting to do a little bit of LeBron therapy here for the start of this show. And that's kind of where we are going to talk about LeBron's best moments. It's like, you know, we're seeing our ex that we kind of hated, but also loved at the same time. And you just want to look back at the fond memories and realize maybe you didn't waste five years of your life in this relationship. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we'll start out here. Um, with our, our favorite moments, our best moments against the Raptors. And so one of you guys can go ahead and start with this one here. Uh, I mean, for me, last year, <laughs> him carrying that team to the finals, like that, if he if LeBron wasn't on that team, is well, as you could tell, is one of the worst teams in the league. And LeBron carried the team to the finals, which is insane. He beat, he beat us. He, he whooped us. He destroyed us. Pretty much single-handedly because uh, we just couldn't we couldn't stop him at all. And then they obviously Boston. I mean, still Boston was looking really nice, and they they looked like the better team. But uh, LeBron just pulled it out of himself to to carry that team all the way to the finals. And obviously they got destroyed by Golden State. But to still make it to the finals is a huge feat for him, and he definitely should be proud of that. Yeah, I'm just looking at like. Um... I was having this conversation about like LeBron versus Kobe as a scorer the other day. And people are like, oh, LeBron's just bigger, stronger, more athletic. He uses his physical gifts. And while that's true, I mean, like game two last year in the second half, like if you look at the highlight tape for that, he's making fadeaways, turnarounds. He's taking like, he just kept making the degree of difficulty to get tougher and tougher and tougher. And he kept making everything. He was just toying with them almost. And it was ridiculous. It wasn't even bad defense. Like Siakam did a pretty decent job. OG Ananobi, they're young players, but they still did a pretty decent job. And LeBron was just like, like this was a joke to him. And he just dominated. And game two was kind of the key game because the Cavs went up 2-0 going home. And that pretty much ended the series. And he hit the buzzer beater in the next game, but it was kind of already over by then. That was um, one of my favorite moments as well, just kind of watching him hit those fadeaway shots. And like you said, everyone kind of thinks of LeBron as the 
big kind of crashing the lane, all this kind of stuff, and getting to the lane, passing, dunking, um, making contact. But in that game, he just showed how versatile he really is and how he can literally do whatever he wants, especially against this Raptors team. Because when he when he seems to play the Raptors, it's just he turns everything on and and makes yeah. <laughs> everything go in and you know makes all the right plays. But one of those uh, in particular was one over OG Ananobi. Like he was in the corner. It was probably the longest two that you could possibly make. Fade away, falling into the bench. I remember was, that. Yeah, like I that was that, that was absurd to me. Um, mm-hmm. But I have so I have one moment um, <clears throat> specifically. So I went to Cleveland with one of my buddies for Game Two of the 2017 series against the Cavs. Oh, I and know so, moment. Yeah. So this was. Um, <laughs> This was one of my first, like, this is my first time seeing LeBron live that wasn't an All Star game. So mm-hmm. I saw him live in the 2016 All Star game, right. but I'd never seen him in like an actual game. And seeing him play in real life was just kind of shocking because, you know, like we've kind of alluded to here, he is bigger than everyone, he's stronger than everyone, he's faster than everyone, and he's just that much better than every single person on the court that he can just will any team to win. And you could see why he made it to the finals with that trash ass team last year. It's because of how good he is. And that was the game where he spun the ball in front of his hand yeah. in front of Ibaka, And people were very upset about that, but it's like he did that. And you know that he's, that is a calculated decision. You know that he's just thinking of what to do next. And so that was really cool. And in that game, he also passed Kareem for second in all-time playoff scoring. So that was a cool thing to see. And then had a few, like, massive dunks that I've never seen crowds get more, like, hyped up for anything other than a LeBron dunk. And that was really cool to see how he has an impact on, on a crowd like Cleveland and the whole city. Like, even when you're there the whole city literally just revolves around him. And, and that was really cool uh, to and, see. And then, like we, we kind of said with that uh, game two uh, last year, the whole Lebronto thing that came out <laughs> after that series was also pretty funny to me. It it hurt a little bit on the inside, but, you know, I I appreciated it because that's probably the only time someone's name will be incorporated with that of the team that he essentially owns so those are my moments i love lebron he's one of my favorite players uh and it's gonna it's gonna suck not seeing him in the playoffs but it's also gonna be fantastic not to get (laughs) swept by him this year so that's it for me do you guys have any other points Um, to make there yeah that i'm not sure if it was the same game or the one after it but um that game when he spun the ball in Ibaka's face and then hit the three. Um, he also pretended to take a sip of beer, or he did take it. I'm not sure yeah. from uh, from the fan. Yeah. I think he just I think he just has some disdain for the Raptors. It's like you guys like he sees the media the media coverage giving them a chance to win and just like and just finds it like he found it so ridiculous. I mean, maybe that would have been different with Kawhi Leonard to guard him, but. Like with the DeRozan Lowry edition of the Raptors, like this was a joke to him. <laughs> yeah, and it's like Kawhi said, the 82 games of the regular season are yeah. like a practice. The four games LeBron plays against the Raptors <laughs> in the playoffs is like a practice for him. So, I'm, I get it. I totally get it. 
so now I think we should go into a little bit of Raptors talk. I'm starting to tear up a little bit thinking about how bad the Raptors were against LeBron. And <laughs> the Raptors played the Houston Rockets, who have been playing pretty well as of late. And when I say the Houston Rockets, I mean James Harden and the refs. Um, and the refs, yeah. And the refs. So, uh, and then after this game, a few things I saw on Twitter kind of came about talking about who would you rather have on your team? Who's the better player? Is it Kawhi Leonard or James Harden? And both guys had not necessarily their best games, but not their worst. James Harden had a really good fourth quarter, which improved his overall game, uh, as at least it looked that way. And Kawhi Leonard was pretty good. He had some good stretches, and he had some bad stretches, which happens when you are playing the game of basketball. That's just the way it goes. So I'm going to ask you guys, who would you guys rather build your NBA team around, Kawhi Leonard or James Harden? So if you asked me this before Kawhi Leonard's like injury-riddled season last year, I think I would have leaned Kawhi. And remember, that was the season that a lot of people were arguing Harden for MVP over Westbrook, the 2017. I actually thought Kawhi was better than either of them that season. I would have picked him to build around just because those guys were high volume, but Kawhi was still an elite scorer and he was efficient and he was the best defender in the league. But based on this season, Kawhi's defense, I, he could get back to that all NBA level. I don't think he deserves an all defense team this season. I think he's been like still very good, but not um, a top tier, like top 10, top five defender. Um, and Harden obviously has improved since then. He's just playing ridiculous. Like he's putting up basically the best scoring numbers since Wilt. It's completely unheard of in this era. So, um, yeah, I mean, this may look stupid in a couple months, right? Harden, we've seen Harden um, kind of run out of gas in the playoffs. And that kind of high volume style is not always sustainable for a full 82 game season plus playoffs. And that's where he's kind of had these really bad playoff performances. And we've seen Kawhi elevate his game in the playoffs. So I don't think Harden's necessarily um, as much ahead of Kawhi as it looks in this regular season. And I think Kawhi could even outperform in, in the playoffs. But with that said, just by the way they've played this season and everything we've seen from Kawhi since he got healthy, I think I'd lean Harden at least like a little bit because... I mean, you can't really argue with what he's doing right now. And it's just, um, you can just put any players around him and he's probably getting a playoff spot. I mean, Lakers aside. Uh, I definitely agree with you. I think um, Kawhi before uh, everything that happened would be a huge like argument for this. But right now, Harden is just playing out of his mind, like, like you said, he's this is numbers like Wilt, and Wilt was an era where he was the only player that could score, and that's why he holds all these insane records. And Harden is he was getting close to some of them, which was pretty insane. And I mean, if you have a guy like that, like they were, they started off the season like they were in like fifteenth place or something after like twenty games, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, what is what is happening to Houston?" But I guess Harden is like, yeah, I, I ain't I ain't going out like this. And he just turned it on and just started carrying his team. And now, I mean, they still lose games, but he's averaging like 30 points a game, which is insane. And 
obviously he has his moments where he's where he can be a little baby, obviously because he's used to the refs playing for him. And uh, that game where uh, I think he fouled out and he was like super upset, calling out all the refs, like buddy, all you know how many times this happens to the opposing team to you, like. It's kind of annoying when that happens just because I hate when players just play off the refs. Obviously, it's a part of the game, but I mean, you got to, if it happens to you, then you got to just deal with it because it happens to everybody else. And I don't like that about Harden. That's why I really like Kawhi Leonard because he just plays the game. But in mm-hmm. terms of just sheer ability to carry a team, like to build around right now, I'd say Harden. I don't know. Kawhi Leonard does complain a lot for calls. I mean, I don't think he's wrong. I think mm, I, I don't agree with that. I don't think um, Kawhi complains that much. He does. Like, like he compared he to Harden, there's so, been, you think no, compared no, no. to Harden that he complains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see Kawhi Leonard three, four times a game. I mean, he's been not running back on defense because he's complaining for a call. I, with that said, I don't think he's wrong. He doesn't get the same calls as Harden. I think defenders get away with a lot more contact on Kawhi and they don't call it. And that's why he's complaining a lot. And I don't think he's necessarily wrong, but he does complain. I mean, it, whether that's so does like, every player, like that's what I, I said, every player does it. But like when you go after the game, like Harden makes it apparent that, oh, the refs are trash. Like he gets fined because no. after the games, he. No, he hasn't been he, fine. Like uh, I would say. I, Harden, he's called out the refs after games before. He's yeah, but, that this but I wouldn't say that. I don't think Harden complains that much. I think Harden just gets more calls than other players because he's smart about manipulating, like basically, um, basically manipulating the rules. In that he does the little, the little swing through. He does those little um, on the step back. He kind of gets defenders to get a little too close, and they get in his landing space. So he manipulates the calls, and that's why he's shooting like the most free throws a game the last like four or five seasons he's shooting basically um 11 free throws a game this season most in the league so like he does get the calls i just don't think he complains that much more than any other star i think Kawhi leonard complains about the same amount as him i would say relatively speaking to other superstars i would i'm gonna fit Kawhi leonard into that superstar category because i think he can get there by the end of the season hopefully um, I would say he probably doesn't complain as much as other superstars do. We've seen LeBron complain a lot when he doesn't get calls. And I'm speaking more when it's a poorly officiated game. Harden, if he looks at it as a poorly officiated game, he will make it a point to complain. And I think when it comes down to that style of game in terms of superstars, Kawhi Leonard doesn't complain as much as maybe the next guy. There is obviously some complaining in there, and I, like you said, it's you know pretty well worth the complaining because of how strong he is and how you know any contact doesn't really impact Kawhi Leonard as much as James Harden makes contact look like it affects him. So it looks worse when you know Kawhi Leonard complains because it doesn't a lot of the time it doesn't necessarily look like a foul to just like in plain sight because he doesn't necessarily get as he doesn't get as affected by the hit or by the, you know, any sort of foul or contact. So it doesn't, when he's complaining and he probably should have gotten the call, but he didn't move or like his arm didn't move or he didn't, you know, flail and all that kind of stuff. Then 
I think it looks worse on him and it makes it look like he did a bit more. But yeah, like both of you guys are right. Both of them complain some some games more than others. Harden just gets some more free throws. So when he complains, I think it looks more like, why are you complaining? Like you shouldn't be complaining this much. You get 100,000 free throws every year. Like <laughs> you shouldn't be complaining. Um, and I think that's probably what hurts him. So I'm going to play devil advocate in terms of who I would build the team around. And I'll say, I'll say Kawhi here. And I'm going to say that his defensive ability when it's at its peak, which I don't necessarily think we've seen this year, but we've seen in spurts in certain games, there's been certain plays where you're like, holy shit, this guy is the best defender in the league once again. And then there's other times you're like, all right, you know, his legs aren't necessarily under him. He still maybe has that lingering injury, all that kind of stuff. But I think his defensive ability kind of makes up for the offensive ability of James Harden in comparison. So I think that James Harden's offensive ability isn't as good as, like, isn't as much of a difference to Kawhi Leonard's offensive ability as Kawhi Leonard's defensive ability and impact is to James Harden's. And in a league where defense is kind of an afterthought, especially this season and and like the past few seasons, defense has kind of been a bit of an afterthought. I think that the whole having your star player be fantastic on both ends is a really good way to build your team. And if you look at how OKC has been succeeding a lot this year, it's been because of Paul George and how good he has been on both sides of the court. Now, I think this is kind of an outlier year for Paul George playing with Westbrook and and I don't know if necessarily Kawhi can reach that offensive peak that Paul George is at right now but defensively Kawhi is still better than Paul George in terms of you know the impact he has on on the defensive end and and the team defense that he can play so that's where I would kind of put him beyond James Harden and that's why I would build the team around him I think it's a little easier to build a team around Kawhi Leonard as well because he's not as ISO heavy and I know that we've kind of looked towards him this year especially in late game scenarios kind of being like oh my god this guy doesn't pass the ball all he does is dribble the ball into the court and and it's you know the ball might deflate by the time he shoots it but I think that's unfair and he does have some fairly good passing abilities and so does James Harden but I think in terms of a system and a cohesive kind of team play I think Kawhi Leonard's more that guy than than James Harden, and I'd rather build a team around that style of play than just the ISO step back, draw fouls, drive the lane, and maybe kick it out or or whatever. So that's where I that's where I have it. I don't know. That could be that could be wrong. Maybe in a few years, Harden wins MVP once again and and wins the and wins the championship. But <laughs> I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, yeah, like that's not a bad take at all. I think it's like it's almost a toss-up in that sense like like you said when Harden's on your team he is the system right like I saw the ISO numbers yesterday I think it was um like the most ISOs in the league like I think DeRozan was second with like about 200 and Harden is first with over a thousand yeah I see yeah I saw that too and that's like one of the most nut statistics I've ever seen in my life like it's not even close but yeah so I think in terms of just like system wise Kawhi Leonard probably fits a system better and we saw how good he did in San Antonio he's doing really well in this Raptors system I don't know how good James Harden would do in a system like that because as we've seen in the past few years he basically has been the Rockets system 
which is okay. I mean, they're doing well. They almost beat the Warriors last year. Yeah. So I, it's, it's hard to you know complain about him being your system. So speaking of the Rockets versus Raptors game, the bench had a terrible game, right? That's, I don't want to say that's the reason they lost, but it's kind of the reason they lost. Every bench player was a double digit in minus, which was very ugly. I think, who was it? Uh, Marcus Gasol and OG Ananobi were both minus 30. And Jeremy Lin was minus 22 in 11 minutes of play. So a lot of the blame on Twitter and kind of in the media has been tossed around here. Who's to blame for this? And I've seen as of late, it's been a lot of the time put on Nick Nurse, the head coach. Is it fair to blame Nick Nurse? For all these bench struggles go ahead um i mean you can obviously it's uh you can blame the coach because he runs the bench that's his job he has to choose who plays together and all that but like we've had one we had one of the best benches in the league last year and that kind of broke up as we changed the team and the system like that we played with. And I, we've been saying this all season, like that they just haven't gotten used to each other. And I've, I, I, they keep changing it up. And we said, I, or I said at least that maybe a little change would be good for the bench, but obviously it's not working that well. And I mean, I don't know what I like. I don't want to blame Nick nurse, but I guess people want a scapegoat and they want to blame him for it, but they're just not playing well together. And I, I maybe he has to change stuff around again. Maybe put, try to put the old squad together, like uh, Siak emoji, <clears throat> like as many as you can. Obviously, it's not the same, but something has to change, or else we're gonna get destroyed. Because as you could. As we saw against like Houston, they they just played with our bench, and it was kind of ugly. Um, yeah, I mean, like I I kind of agree. Like you can't put it entirely on Nurse. I do think he deserves like some blame. Obviously, when players just aren't playing well, you can't just put it all on the coach. But I think just in terms of how he manages the rotation in general, he does have to improve a little i've talked about this before so i don't want to sound like a broken record but just in terms of um he shouldn't be playing these all bench lineups like last year i don't think we quite appreciate how last year's bench lineup with delon wright van vliet cj miles um, siakam and Pirtle, that lineup was a complete anomaly there's almost never like a five-man bench unit like in hockey where um where they just dominate and like the bench the full so the bench comes in as a full unit and just plays amazing it's almost always got to be staggered you want a couple of your starters in and we saw last night we had a kyle lowry with four bench players unit and it was awesome in the fourth quarter they blew the game open went from like a 15 point game to 25 like games over so i think we just need to see nurse do that a little more often, keep Lowry and Siakam or Lowry and Gasol, just two of kind of their best playmakers um, between Lowry, Siakam, Kawhi Leonard, and Gasol. Just keep two of them at least on the floor at all times. And that way, that kind of helps Jeremy Lin, Norman Powell, whoever else, 
get their offense easier, right? Because there are better playmakers on the floor, better threats, and the defense has to focus on those guys. And then the bench guys can just be what they are, bench guys. They can hit their corner threes. They can catch and drive to the rim and then play solid defense, hopefully. So, yeah, it's kind of, I wouldn't blame Nurse entirely, but it would be nice to see him kind of rotate the starters a little bit better with the bench, which would, I think, help the bench players play better. Yeah, I agree with both of you that the whole blame shouldn't be on him. Bench players haven't been playing good. But like you said, with kind of the lineup management, um, my issue with it on top of like not kind of putting out the whole bench units is that when the units and the rotations are not playing well, he generally leaves them in a few minutes too long, which either allows the other team's bench and one or two starters to either blow the game open if they have the lead or cut the lead down to whatever it is, like two or three points. And that's where I have the issue with it, and that's the coaching that I don't like. But obviously you can't blame it on him. He is a first-year coach. Like he said at the beginning of the year, he wants to experiment. He wants to get these guys comfortable with each other. He wants to be able to get some different rotations out there and what he's comfortable with putting out there in certain situations. So I don't I don't see too much of an issue with the bench struggles because in my eyes he's experimenting and I hope that's what's going on. I hope that he's just letting these guys run kind of into the ground, not into the ground, but kind of run into bad situations so that when playoff time comes and something like this happens, they're able to get out of it and they're able to be mentally and physically there in terms of getting out of a out of a slump and, and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of like that. And once again, like we, they said this last year about how good our, our bench unit was in the in the regular season and how the bench unit doesn't really translate into the playoffs. And I think that's the case, right? This bench unit struggles has kind of masked the fact that the Raptors starters have been so good in pretty much every single game that we played this year. And that is what translates to more success in the playoffs than the bench does. So that fact and that, that type of style of play in the, in the playoffs probably suits this team better than what it did last year when we had our, like you said, the kind of like five and five guys, the two different units. If you can plug in and play some of these bench guys or some of these starters with the bench guys, it's it's going to be a totally different totally different way of playing in terms of playoff style and against some of these good teams who have some depth and some of these teams who have very little depth like the the Sixers if we end up playing them at all. Uh, yeah. And then oh. sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say yeah, I agree with most of that. The only thing is I think it's kind of too late to be experimenting. I think he needs to kind of get his rotation together and um and kind of know what it's going to be like in general um, and kind of pick a starter between Ibaka or Gasol. Um, just because you don't, like, if you're still experimenting this late in the season, this isn't all in season. You traded for Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, this was that was after they hired Nick Nurse, so they didn't expect to have a rookie coach, but it is what it is. You can't fire him instantly. And you know what you know you traded for Kawhi Leonard for this all-in season and you need to win or to make the finals like to get as far as you possibly can. 
and it's kind of too late to still be in an experimentation stage. You kind of need to be preparing for the playoffs, let these guys get their minutes together so that they're more comfortable. And I think that will, that's really important just in terms of establishing a rhythm together, because that's kind of what you need in the playoffs. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And so you kind of mentioned it here. Um, but last night I had a little debate on Twitter uh, when I was, uh, you know, I was, I was in the beers and I had a little debate on Twitter with this guy. And um, I was kind of debating whether or not Masai would have fired Dwayne Casey if theoretically he knew Kawhi Leonard was going to be a Raptor by right. the end of the offseason. What, like, what do you think? Because I, for me, the coaching depth at the time in terms of like getting someone from outside it wasn't really there after Bud because, as we know, um, Fizdale was already picked up by the Knicks. And mm -hmm. after Bud, it's a very big drop-off. Not a whole lot of good, experienced coaches. So I, I'd like to hear your take on that. Um, oh, go ahead. No, no, that's all you. Okay. Um, I, yeah, it's a tough question, right? Because we don't know... Um, like, I don't think they actually extended an offer to Bud, but we don't know if he would have taken it. I mean, he got a great opportunity to coach, like, the best young superstar in the league, Giannis. So he might have said no if he knows, like, Kawhi Leonard might not be here beyond this season. And then you're basically, there aren't that many options, like you said. And, I mean, Casey, I do think he was justified in firing him in terms of just... Um, his playoff adjustments and kind of what happened in that Cavs series. Um, like, we can get into it, but yeah, just he could have fired him in Washington four years ago and all that. So there were, like, I don't think it was unjustified to fire Casey, but he is an above-average coach, and he's experienced, and that's kind of what you would want, that stability, if you knew you were getting Kawhi Leonard. Um, and like you said, there just weren't that many options. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know if Masai Ujiri would have done that really only he knows. And, um, maybe he would have still thought that they needed to move on, but he obviously didn't know until, um, they traded for Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. And I know that it was a big part of the kind of like quote unquote culture rebuild mm -hmm. that was made this offseason, obviously trading DeMar and getting rid of Dwayne Casey. Um, and so I, I understand the firing at that aspect, it, like no matter what, whether we had Kawhi Leonard at the time or not. But if for me, like I would have given, if they knew that kind of Nick Nurse was their guy right away, I would have probably just to make it look as if the organization knew what they were doing, I would have given him the job right away instead of, whatever was that two, three, four week period where they were going through all the, the interviews with whether it was Budenholzer, Becky Hammond, Nick Nurse. And there were, I know there were a few other guys that were kind of in contention as the final, final guys. And uh, as you alluded to Buck, we didn't send out a, or Bud, we didn't send out a offer for him, but I think it came out that he said that there was going to be too much pressure in Toronto to like too many, too many expectations for him for his first season, knowing that this is probably the last year of the whole, you know, Lowry DeRozan thing. And then um, also that there's a little bit more of a brighter future, no doubt in Milwaukee with Giannis. So I, I get not kind of going all in for Bud and I probably, if I'm Bud, I probably take the other job as well. As you can see, he's doing a fantastic job, but 
I always think like I think about that all the time. Like, does he fire Nick? Uh, not Nick Nurse, Dwayne Casey, knowing that the Raptors are gonna get Kawhi. And like, I I, I genuinely don't think he does. And it's mm-hmm. because of that experience, right? And it's because of that stability. You don't have to teach your guys a new system. Not only, I mean, it's not really a new system because it's Nick Nurse, but obviously there are going to be some subtle changes that happen as as every coach has, right? They have subtle changes on the defensive end, on the offensive end. And so having to teach them A, a new system, and B, a new system while integrating a new superstar onto your team, I think the continuity aspect of it, which isn't really there anymore for the Raptors, would have probably helped a little bit, at least in the regular season and and probably a bit into the postseason just because of the the postseason chops that that Casey has gathered over the past X amount of years with the Raptors. Um, so speaking about the playoffs, we are kind of getting into that final stretch of the season here, and we're getting excited for playoff time. Right now, it is a little bit of a a dead stretch, but what has been talked about a ton as of late is the Celtics and their disappointing season that has that has gone on. And so in their last 10 games, they're 5-5, five and 5-6 five, five and six in their last 11. Um, but they have kind of turned it around lately, beating Golden State and Sacramento. Obviously, Golden State was the more impressive win. Klay Thompson was out, but regardless, still a win. And right now, they might have a matchup with the Sixers in the first round of the playoffs. And that would be, first of all, that would be a fantastic series. I would love to have one of those guys not on the table anymore for a second-round matchup. But... With both teams' expectations, the Raptors and the Celtics, who gets more impacted by not making a run to the conference finals or even the finals, really? Is it the is the Raptors or is it the Celtics? Oh, I, I think definitely the Raptors, just because everything's on the line this year. I mean, the Celtics, I mean, especially right now, like, you know Kyrie is not happy, and he's made it apparent that he's not happy, and... I don't even think he's going to stay if they make it to the finals. He's just he's that type of player who just really wants to do his own thing and he's he for some reason is just super unhappy in Boston and I think he'll go to he'll go to a bigger or not a bigger market team because Boston is a huge team but like I think he'll go to like LA or the Knicks possibly just to be on a different team and for the Raptors like if we don't make the finals, uh, Kawhi's probably leaving. Like a 99% chance he's going to leave. And even if we do make the finals, he, he might still leave because he's like it's been apparent that he he's, might leave after the season. Like it's a huge, uh, it's, there's been huge implications that he will. And I think, like we were talking about before, this is a this is an all-in team. Like we, Masai Yuri traded everything to to make this team uh, a contender for the the championship. And I feel if we don't do something this year, then we're going to go into a huge rebuild stage, Uh, obviously centering around like Siakam and and the younger guys, but most of the older guys are going to be gone. If we don't, uh, if we don't manage to make the the finals, like a lot of this Raptors team is just going to break up. So uh, yeah, I definitely think it's, it's a lot more, riding on the Raptors making it farther. Um, I totally agree with you. Like obviously like what like exactly what you said. If they make the finals, they have like 
a shot at keeping Kawhi, if not like almost no chance of keeping him. And even if they make the finals, there's a chance he'll leave. At the same time, I think even if he leaves, like like you said, they are kind of set up pretty well to rebuild. I think Masai Ujiri in a rebuild could do a lot of really good things. We've seen how good a drafter he is, just getting Siakam, mm-hmm. DeLon Wright, OG and Anobi all in the 20s, like really good role players, and Siakam is going to be an all-star. So I think he could actually handle a rebuild quite well. I think it's almost worse for the Celtics in the sense that Kyrie Irving was going to stay. Like Kyrie Irving said in October, he's going to resign. And that was after they had just made a conference finals run without him. He was probably expecting a finals run. People were predicting. I mean, I even said I had the Celtics as the favorite in the East going into the season. And I think they were the consensus favorite in the East. And this season has been a total disaster. If they lose in like the second round, I think Kyrie Irving's pretty likely to leave. And that's kind of a big failure for them, just in the sense that like they kind of tore down. Um, I mean, they didn't tear down a team, but they got they had that whole Isaiah Thomas run. And obviously he had the injury and everything, but they gave him up and the Brooklyn pick they gave up. And then they're kind of they may be losing out on a chance at a dynasty just if they could keep Kyrie and trade for Anthony Davis. That's the best team in the East for who knows how long. So if they lose Kyrie Irving, they're not going to take the risk for Anthony Davis if they don't have Kyrie Irving there. And then they kind of lose out on this huge opportunity. I think the Celtics are still set up well, don't get me wrong. Like They still have Brown, Tatum, and like a pretty good um, young core. But it's kind of a huge failure and Horford would be a free agent um, either next year or the year after. And then it's kind of spiraling from there. So it's almost like a toss up. Like it's a pretty big disaster for both teams. Yeah. They're kind of both in the same boat, right? Like if they don't make it to the finals, their best player is probably going to leave. And that's probably going to be worse for, the Raptors only because a we're a partially small market team because of the whole Canada thing. So if we fall out of the top three in the East and the kind of contention to make the Eastern conference finals to make the, the NBA finals, um, I think it's worse for the Raptors because if they're in eighth place or on the bubble of, you know, that ugly end of the uh, playoff seating in the Eastern conference, the Raptors are not going to get, much coverage and much talk or anything like that so in terms of you know implications for the team I think the Raptors probably have to get further but like you guys said the Celtics had the highest expectations in the east right like Bill Simmons I think said that they were going to win 67 games and that's not going to happen maybe 67 Mm -hmm. games in two years but it's not going to happen now and if uh, if the Celtics perform poorly, I think that there will be more internal turmoil within, you know, with Kyrie and, and Tatum and Jalen Brown and all these other guys that the Raptors just won't have if they don't do well. Like, I think if they don't do well, Kawhi Leonard's not going to come out and say, yeah, it's because of these young guys. Siakam was horrible. Siakam, you know, he's just not experienced enough. So I think in terms of the turmoil, it'll probably affect the Celtics more. But in terms of like total organization type uh, type effect, it's probably the Raptors just because they won't get that media coverage. They won't get 
you know, they'll be they'll be in everyone's, you know, but it's it'll be an afterthought basically if the Raptors aren't in the top three of the Eastern Conference, and that's that's kind of where I don't want to see the Raptors go from here. But who knows? We'll see. Yeah. We spoke about the coach, uh, the current coach of the Raptors, and how he has been kind of okay and kind of bad at times. Um, and now we're going to talk about the previous Raptors coach, Dwayne Casey, who made some salty comments after the Raptors lost in overtime to the Detroit Pistons last weekend. Basically saying that the Raptors franchise isn't as storied as the Pistons, and the fans have never smelt what it feels like to be a championship contending team. And I know Callum had some problems with this, so I, I'll, I'll ask him to start first here. So what do you got? Like, does he have the right to say this kind of stuff, Cal? No, I don't think he has the right to say that. Obviously, you can you can say it's a storied franchise because it is. They have championships. Like, obviously, they've been around for a long time. They were really good at one point. But when he brought in the fans, that's where I was just like, come on, man. The fans loved you. Like, we gave you a standing O when you beat us. Like, why you got to mention us like that? Like, I know, like, you can be salty. Obviously, I'm sorry. You're, everything that happened to you was kind of bullshit but i mean obviously it was coming because we kind of got destroyed in the playoffs uh every single year by cleveland and obviously the, he, he won coach of the year that year which kind of put the cherry on the top as to why it was very just poor timing that he got fired but then what my huge problem was that like he mentioned the fans and that we don't know what it's like, how it tastes to win a championship and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, you're on a, you're on a 500, like you're on a 500 team. Like you, you've had so many problems this year and obviously you're not going to do Jack in the playoffs. And like, obviously it was meant towards the organization, but I feel like he showed some, some true colors towards the fans, which kind of was, just made me it rubbed me the wrong way and i didn't like it yeah i um i totally agree with that like i get where he's coming from and why he's salty obviously it was poor timing with the whole i mean he won coach of the year which is just ridiculous but the fact that he got fired but also like if you put it in context it makes a lot of sense they got swept by Washington. They got swept by the Cavs twice. They didn't, even when they won two games against the Cavs, like the Cavs didn't take them seriously that year. Like they had some really nice efforts, but they got the point differential in that series was like 100 because the Cavs just blew them out all four games um, that the Cavs won. Um, so I get why Casey's salty, but at the same time, um, like, it just the comment didn't make any sense like you're talking about how toronto hasn't or how the raptors like haven't had any success i mean they might have won a championship if they had a little better coaching like like this was your tenure for seven eight years right like don't you i mean you're basically insulting your own franchise that you were the coach of for almost a third of their existence like it doesn't make any sense to be bashing like the franchise like what did and the fans of them like obviously the fans have no bad blood with you like it really is just like a weird way to 
frame to frame it when you're being salty about it. Yeah, so the way I saw it, like I never really saw it as a shot at the fans. It was more of a like atmospheric kind of you walk in and you see that you see the three, you know, championship banners and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think in terms of like his feeling towards the franchise is a little bit different because he thinks, you know, he knows that they've won a championship. So it's it's he to me, he's just speaking facts, right? Like they have won a championship. Us fans, like unless we used to be Lakers fans or we've, you know, <laughs> all that kind of stuff, like none of us have smelt a championship before. And even though we were in the playoffs, and I agree with what you were saying that, you know, he's mm-hmm. kind of dissing himself with these comments. But even though we were in the playoffs, like no one ever really thought we were going to win the championship, whether it was because, you know, we had to play LeBron yeah. in the second or third round or whether it's Golden State's the best team that has ever really played the game of basketball. So, he, you know, he is speaking facts. He's telling the truth. Everything that he said, it's hard to argue with. But you're right. He does kind of diss himself. And my thing is, I don't think he was really calling out the fans. I mean, he he did but mention I, the I fans. Think, yeah, but that's what I was saying. Like, as soon as you mention us, like, why? Why do you have to mention us? Like, just talk about the franchise. Not well. I think that's part of bring, it. That's you don't have to bring the fans think, into it though. But because it's the fans part of the franchise. Him. Yeah, they we are part of the franchise, but the the fans didn't fire him. The fans didn't like make this ugly exit with him. The fans loved him. Like but I said it, before, like but it's we, not like he said it's not like he said the fans suck. He just said that they've never smelt a championship, and yeah. and that's you know what I mean. Like he never explicitly said the crowd wasn't loud enough. The fans didn't support the team well enough. The fans did not ever think we were going to make the finals. All he said was they've never smelt a championship, and I don't see where that yeah. is a wrong comment because what? it's true like what like other than you know if Vince Carter hits that shot over the over the Sixers maybe they make an Eastern Conference Finals and then that's as far as that we'd come until Dwayne Casey came here and then what since then like obviously you just had to go through LeBron and LeBron has other than you know a six game series which was pretty much over after game three like I don't really see where that comment comes into play like I I totally agree with it like they've never smelled the play like they've never smelled a championship contending team it just hasn't ever happened and until this year really right like and even then we're still not going to win the championship because of Golden State's in the in the West like even if we make the finals maybe five or six games yeah the thing that's um odd is that like did you I'm pretty sure the full interview in context like they asked him about Detroit playing Toronto in the playoffs and then he just went on this whole thing about like the championship banners. Like it didn't make any sense. Like, like in context of the question, like the question was about like what is it gonna be like um, if you with Detroit play Toronto in the playoffs and like your own your old team and all that. And like, and then he just went off on this thing about the franchise's success. So my thing is that like like you said, like he's not wrong. He's being factual. It's just like what does this even have to do anything? Like, why is this relevant? That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, that's what I was saying. Like, yeah, you can say he's speaking facts, but why? Like, who cares? Like, why does he have to bring it up? It doesn't, like, obviously he's salty, but that's why, that was my whole problem with him bringing up the fans is like, you didn't have to. Like, you could have just done it in such a more professional way. And then he just made it out to be just like completely malicious towards 
the Raptors and like the entire franchise. I think I malicious goes a little bit too far for me. I obviously I like he wasn't you know saying a he wasn't complimenting the Raptors by any stretch, but. I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people are making it out to me, but that's just my point of view. I could be totally wrong and, and looking at it in the wrong way, but the context, I agree, was kind of weird. But, I mean, he got into the head of Raptors fans. I'm sure Nick Nurse isn't too pleased with him saying that, and maybe they're going to play a different game against this team when when it comes down to it. Like, I don't... Sports is about trash talk, man, and I love the fact that Dwayne Casey's getting into that because he never really got into that when he was a Raptors coach. And he, you know, I, I like it. I, it makes, obviously, it's not a rivalry, but it makes a bit of a, it makes the games mean a little bit more. And it'll make the series a little bit more fun if they do end up playing them. I am going to stick with my guns here and say that it didn't mean that much. Like it's, yeah, like it's eighth not. Place, yeah, like it's the eighth place Pistons, whatever. Ultimately, I, yeah, like uh, who cares? <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, they're gonna lose in the first round, so who cares? Exactly. In exactly. All right, guys. So I think we can end it there. We went a little bit long on this one, but it was a very good conversation. So thank you, Lior, once again for joining the podcast. We really appreciate it. You are welcome back anytime. Callum Wise. Yeah, of course, man. Callum Wise, it's always nice talking to you. If you guys want to follow us on Twitter at take underscore six. You can follow us on Instagram, Take Six Podcast, and go to our website, Take6.org. Give us a couple reads on our on our blog posts. Give us a couple listens on our podcasts. And obviously, you can always find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So thank you, everybody, for listening, and have a wonderful Saturday.